Hello, welcome to Irrepressible. I am your host, Erica Ashley. I am so excited for this episode this week because I had my dad on the show. My dad is awesome. He's amazing. And he's also an accountant. And so I thought, let's talk budgeting. Let's talk savings. Let's talk money in general, because I grew up hearing him talk about this all the time. It was pretty much ingrained in me from a very young age. And as I got older, I realized my friends even now have no idea how to manage money. And I think, and I really feel that this should be being taught in high school and it's not. And it's, I find that to be very frustrating. It's basic knowledge that we all need as human beings to like live. You have to pay taxes. Every single person has to pay tax, but if you're not being taught what the heck is tax and how do I figure that out? It's just like, I don't get it. So I thought, let's have him come on and talk like finance 101 with us. Um, And he was kind enough to create a spreadsheet for us, a budgeting spreadsheet, which is in the show notes. Uh, There's a link to a Google doc that you can download, you can use, you can tailor it to your own needs. He goes into how to use that in this episode. It's just like an educational tool essentially to help you see where your money is going and maybe how you can save better or spend better or move things around. It's just to get a good picture idea of what your cost of living really is. And if you have anything left over, what should you be doing with it? So he answers all those questions in this episode. Like I said, I really wanted this episode to be like finance 101. And so we kept it basic. We kept it like very easy to understand because I think, and I still even feel like things, money and tax, I don't even understand them all. I call him all the time. I'm like, what the heck does this mean? And so I always like to go to somebody who's an expert in their field if I need more knowledge about it. And he is definitely an expert when it comes to money. So without further ado, here is Gary my dad. Okay. So I want to talk about budgeting because I think I grew up in a more unique situation than a lot of my friends because you're my dad and you were an accountant and we did things differently. Like I remember getting allowance every week and it was like $10 and I had a little checkbook and I had to like balance the checkbook. So I knew how much of my own money I had and, you know, just like savings and how, how that worked. And then as I got older, I realized my friends didn't have that sort of insight. And I think, well, it's not talked about in schools and stuff. And so I think that it's, if you're not growing up with somebody whose parent is an accountant or is talking to them about money, it's very like, where do I even begin with this? And so I think budgeting is like a good, good place to start. I agree. Uh, And it is unfortunate that the schools don't really provide that sort of information because it's their life skills and everybody should have them. Instead of going into trigonometry and calculus in high school, maybe they should cut that back and save it for the people who are really going to use it. As an accountant, a lot of people think I, I'm this big math guy, but I've used algebra maybe two dozen times in 35 years. And so everything else is basic math. So uh, the only people I know using the higher level math would be like, you know, engineers and, and physicists. 
So let's cut out some of that stuff and go to more useful things for people that everybody's going to need. So the budgeting is a great idea. It um, allows people to see what they've got coming in in terms of money and income, and and then you know where does it need to go. And hopefully, when you go through the exercise of listing, you know your wage income, if you have interest income or dividend income from investments, um, you can add all that up, and you know what you've got coming in. And then you got to figure out how to apply it. You got rent payments or a mortgage payment. You've got utilities on your place where you're living, car insurance, gasoline, all these things, groceries. And a lot of times, if people don't have the skill to figure out how this all looks on paper, there's no plan for spending. And they usually just spend more than what they have thanks to credit cards. So budgeting is a great, great tool to help people um, not only figure out what they've got, what they might be able to afford, but also put some money aside for later, which I think is important. So I think with budgeting, yes, it gives you kind of like a roadmap of like, here's the money I have, here's where it's going. It's right. kind of like laid out for you. But if somebody's never budgeted before, how do you figure out where the heck to start? Well, uh, if anybody uses Excel, I've got a little template that is kind of a small little basic thing that can you can use it to list these sources of income. And, you know, and what I mean sources of income, like with your paycheck. So you have a gross paycheck of some number, then there's federal tax taken out, state income tax taken out, the FIC and the Medicare. And so you end up with a net number that you really get to spend. So that's sort of your starting point. And then it, it takes a little bit of work and it takes a little bit of determination and diligence and discipline to actually go through this process, but it can be very rewarding. So when you figure out what your expenses are, and if you're being honest with yourself about what you really spend money on, it should be an eye-opener when you get through some period of time looking at this. Your mom and I did this a long time ago, 30 years ago, just because we were curious, not for any real reason. And it knocked our socks off as to what we were spending money on. Mm -hmm. And I know it's easy for people to want to sit down to Starbucks and spend five bucks for a coffee every day, and that's fine. But there are choices that they make when they do that. And if they have enough money that they accomplish all of their goals, they've got money set aside for later in savings and investment accounts, or retirement plans, that's fine. If you're a little tight on cash every month and you are making the minimum payment on your credit card, it could be problematic. But it may take a tool like this for people to see that, well, wait a minute. If I spend, say, 40 cents at home to make a cup of coffee four days a week and go to Starbucks on Friday or something like that, that could be $20 a month or a week that they save that they, if they were disciplined, could put away into some investment account. And over time, uh, it will be a big number if they leave it there and, and and don't take it out and spend it on something else. And so when people can see that these options are available out there, it might change their habits a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's more like thinking long-term savings instead of... Right now. Right now. Exactly. Yeah. And, a lot, and, and truthfully, there is this kind of line that's difficult to maneuver, which is, you know, um, saving for the future versus living today. And I'm, I'm cognizant of that. And, and I don't have judgments on my clients and how they spend their money. Let's try to help them do the best they can with what they've got. Mm -hmm. So in the budget, you have like 
rent, groceries, gas, all of these things. Is there, or should you put a line in a budget that says, here's just like money that I'm giving myself to spend this month and it can go to whatever you want or should they be saving it? Um, yeah, either or I think is my answer on that. You can actually, um, I think before you get to the savings, you need to see if there's money left over to actually be saved based on what you're spending money on now. And in some cases, in order to have some of that leftover money that you can then use to you know, maybe save for a down payment on a house or a car or just savings in general, you need to see what else you're spending money on to see if there's anything left over to do that with. A lot of people spend you know, money paycheck to paycheck because they don't know better. They think as long as they've got credit on their credit card, they can keep going, and that's really not a good way to look at it. And so they spend beyond their means. And this isn't like the government where you can just print up more money and do whatever you want to do. It's, it's real. And so um, it probably will, if people are disciplined and they actually go through this process, it will probably change their spending habits. So hopefully they will have something left over that they can save for a down payment on a house or a car or you know, retirement. So if somebody is looking at their budget, they've, they've been tracking it for, how many months would you say somebody should track to get like a good picture idea? I think six months at a minimum. A year is good because it's kind of a whole calendar year. It's it's a you know it's a good time reference. Everything's based on annual stuff. Your W two income, you know, everything resets on January first. So I think January one to December thirty one would be great if you could do it. But anything is a help, even a month, if you can. And I know it's a pain to do it, but if you can be disciplined enough to enter everything down so that you can actually see, you know, when you go to the grocery store, yep groceries or when you buy gas you know write that down in there too and it doesn't have to be excel it can just be a piece of paper with columns in it but it's um it needs to be some period of time that's representative of their life mm -hmm. okay so say they've done that and they're like okay i'm spending way too much money on coffee or shopping or wherever it happens to be for them and they're like okay i don't want to cut out all of this entirely because you know, like you said, people still want to be able to like enjoy a cup of coffee. I do. I don't want to give up Starbucks, you know, permanently. Right. Um, but maybe treating yourself as more of like, it makes it more of an enjoyable experience instead of having it every day. So they've done that. And they're like, maybe I should cut 50% back on this 60%, whatever. So now they have this money. They're like, I'm going to do this. Now I have 200 extra dollars a month, let's say. Right. What should they do? with that how should they save there are a lot of options available they they might inquire of their employer to see if there's a 401k plan retirement plan where you can take some of your money and say okay i want in your case that 200 dollars put into this 401k plan and what happens there is it actually reduces your income that you pay income tax on so it puts that money aside pre-tax we call that and in most cases, well, in every case, the employer is required to match it at some level. It's a minimum of 3%. Some of the bigger companies will actually match it 100%. And if that's the case, the more you put into the 401k plan, the more you get from your employer. And I know I was having a discussion the other day with a guy who was in big oil. He was a, a geologist. 
But uh, in the big oil companies, they were matching the 401k contributions dollar for dollar. And, and he was saying that he would recommend to his younger guys is that even if you have to borrow the money, you should consider doing that to get a 100% match. I mean, you, can't, you can't double your money like that doing nothing very often. So in that situation, they were, it didn't have to come from their paycheck to put into the 401k. They could just put whatever chunk of money they wanted into the 401k. Uh, well, there there are some limits, but basically, yeah, they decide how much of their check, they, of their gross pay, they want to put in the 401k plan, and the employer can match it whatever level they're matching. So that's that's one option. That grows tax deferred, you know, until you take it out, uh, which is a great tool for planning for retirement. But you need to understand it's going to be locked away for a while until you reach 59 and a half, and then. If you take it out before you get that age, if you don't meet certain exceptions like maybe first-time homebuyer, you have to pay the income tax on that money, and there's also a 10% penalty tax. So it's a little bit punitive to take it out before it's designed to be taken out. So mm -hmm. you just need to be aware of that. So it is meant for retirement it purposes. Is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there are IRAs that if you don't have an employer that does that, you can put money into an IRA, which is an individual retirement account. It operates the same way but there's no match. You do get a deduction for it in most cases. And so you can put 5,000 bucks away into this plan, same rules. If you take it out before 59 and a half, you pay income tax on it, and there's a 10% penalty. So again, just need to be aware of that. The other option you have is you can put money into an investment account. You can open an account at E-Trade or TD Ameritrade or Schwab, one of those places, and put the money in there and you can manage that money yourself. You can buy stocks and bonds, uh, mutual funds, and sometimes people would be there to help you a little bit do that. If you don't like being that hands-on, you can get an investment advisor to guide you through that process, and they'll select your investments based on your, basically on your risk criteria, how much money you have, and your age. Okay. So those are all things that with the saving, you're putting it aside and it's building on itself essentially. Right. Exactly. So savings account. Okay. It's savings account. They're good to have um, kind of as a catch all. If you've got some money coming in, you know that you're going to be using it soon for some reason, but it, it's there for the moment. You can put in a savings account that can link to your checking account. It can provide overdraft protection in case you spend a little too much in your and what's in your account. But you don't get much return on it. The interest rates are terrible. They're less than 1% right now. But then again, I had a client get a 30-year mortgage on his house for two and three quarter percent interest. That's that's crazy. When mom and I bought our first house, our interest rate was 10%. It was that feels like a lot. <laughs> it was low compared to what it was a few years earlier. Oh, really? Yeah. So Anyway, so interest rates are right now, they're very low. So it's not a great return on your money, but it's, it's pretty safe. So again, um, with any sort of investment, you have to weigh risk versus reward. The things that have the most risk usually have the most reward, mm. okay? But you can make a lot of money, but you can lose a lot of money in a pretty short period of time if you're not paying attention. So mm -hmm. you gotta be cognizant of that. Older people, or, or people as they age, their risk tolerance drops they, because it's like, hey, my earning years are over or close to over, so I got to keep what I have. So they're willing to take less return for a safer investment. But for younger people, I say, you know, I think, you know, 
I tend to lean more towards the aggressive growth type investments. Mm-hmm. Build that portfolio up. And the longer that you've got investments in an account building like that, the compounding, you know, if you, if you make, if you say you have $10,000 to put into an account to start it with, and if you make 10% on that in a year's time, a year from now, you'll have $11,000. And so if you keep doing that year after year after year, 10% is not a realistic number, but um, you know, it's just, you're going to be making money on more money each year. So it's just going to start growing. over time. Mm-hmm. So if you've got 30 or 40 years before you plan on retiring, you could build up a nice little nest egg. So if somebody's like, okay, I'm going to invest, I'm going to put this money into an investment. Should they stick with one? Should they do multiple different places? It's better to diversify. You don't want to have all your eggs in one basket, as you've heard. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because stocks are volatile and, and bonds. And, you know, one stock might go down one day while the other ones go up. And, and that usually is what happens. So you want to spread your risk over some number of investments. Um, there are investment services out there that allow you to create these portfolios as um, not with real money, but just to kind of watch so that you can learn how to play the stock market. And um, they actually have their own portfolios with their own sets of criteria as to how they determine what stocks to buy and what stocks to sell and when. And they usually start their portfolio out with $100,000 and they usually divide that up into 10 positions. So, you know, five to 10 positions for somebody with under $100,000 is probably pretty reasonable. Mm -hmm. You don't want to get... Too many because it's going to be hard to manage. You got too many things to look at. You don't really want this to be an arduous process. You want it to be as you know relatively simple as it can be. Simple mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk debit versus credit. Debit? You mean like a debit card? Debit card, yes. Okay. So a debit card is just like writing a check, pretty much. It takes money out of your account directly. And there are good things and bad things about them. I personally don't use debit cards. I don't like them. And the reason, there are a couple of reasons. It's easier for me to write a check because I've got a record of what that is in my checkbook. And when the bank statement comes out every month, you can go through and you can tick it off. It's, it's easier. If you're using a debit card, you have to accumulate receipts and put the receipts somewhere to be able to accomplish the same thing, which is suggested. You know, you want to know that. The bank hasn't made a mistake and taken some of your money out by mistake and given it to somebody else. So reconciling is important. Mm-hmm. If you don't know how to do that, you can go to the bank and they will actually show you how to do that. Okay. So, you know, for those that don't know how to do it because they don't teach it in school, it might be a good thing to do. Okay. Um, but more importantly for me is that when you use a credit card, if you get the right kind of credit card, you can get reward points or dollars. Uh, as you spend money. And so, as you know, we had a car wash for 12 or 13 years, and I put absolutely everything I could on that credit card. My soap, you know, my supplies, my phone bill, my electric bill, all that stuff came out on my credit card so I could generate these points. And as you know, since you and your sister have been in California, because of doing that, we have not paid for one airplane ticket because they were all paid by these reward dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's probably. In a 12-year period of time, probably $20,000 worth of airfare mm-hmm. back and forth. So mm-hmm. 
if you use a debit card, you don't get that. So I sort of look at it as a way to save money also. Mm -hmm. Not paying off a credit card fully though. Not a good idea, but, but sometimes you can't help it. You know, things come up and um, again, depending upon your budget and how much discretionary cash you have each month and, and discretionary cash is, you know, your net paycheck minus the absolute must expenses that you have to pay for every month. Um, you know, if, if your refrigerator goes out and you need a $1,500 refrigerator, you know, and your disposable cash or discretionary cash is $300 a month, you're going to have a problem, right? So you put it on the credit card, you earn the points for putting it on the credit card, and you just try to pay it off as quickly as you can. Credit cards typically have these huge interest rates and they just, they charge you a fortune. And it's, it's really easy to get caught away with spending, especially, you know, as you're growing in your career and you start to make more money, you start, you know, rewarding yourself a little bit here, a little bit there, and then it kind of becomes customary and that's how spending can get out of control. Do you really need a new iPhone every two years? As soon as you pay the old one off, do you have to jump to the new one? For some people, they, they feel that's important for whatever reason, and, and maybe they're valid, maybe they're not. Um, but if, if you're not the kind that needs to do that, then if you're paying $25 a month for a phone for two years, and then you stop paying it, and you can run with your old phone for two more years, you're gonna save 600 bucks just by doing that. And that's pretty simple, you know? So if you don't need to have the latest, greatest gadget every time, that's another way to save money. But when, you're, when you max out your credit cards and you're only paying the minimum payment, you're mostly just paying interest. It's gonna take you a long time to pay off the credit card. And so it's not a great idea to do that if, if you can avoid it. Sometimes you can't, but if you can, try hard to avoid that. Mm -hmm. If somebody has debt right now, student loans, credit card debt, whatever, do you recommend focusing on paying off the debt first or should they start saving first? Generally, I would say it's better to pay off the debt. I, I think there are exceptions to that. Uh, if there are low interest loans that they have um, and if they've got an alternative to put money into an investment account and they're, they're doing well with it, they've got a good investment advisor and they're earning say six or 7% on their investment each year, but they have a 2% interest rate on a loan, then maybe both. A little bit to the loan, a little bit in the investment account. But if you've got um, no savings or, or very low savings, and you only have a savings account, and you've got an interest rate anywhere you know, 4% or higher, 3% or higher, you're gonna be better off in the long run and spend less money out of pocket to pay the debt off. If you have multiple different sources of debt, well, that would be unfortunate, but um, it, again, it happens because, you know, as we go through life and, and navigate our way, things come up and you have to react sometimes and you can't always plan for everything, unfortunately, but um, when those things do happen, you just make the best decisions you can at the time you have to make them. And if you have an opportunity to maybe consolidate those loans, then you might look to try to do that if you've got some collateral. If you have multiple loans, you want to pay the one off, probably it has the highest interest rate first. Okay. Yeah. 
So start highest, go to the lowest interest rate. Yeah, that'll, that'll ultimately save you the most amount of money. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so you created a spreadsheet for us. It's just a real basic little Excel model, and it will allow you to enter your paycheck and the taxes and show you what the net income is you know, for each pay. So that's your disposable cash or discretionary cash. Uh, if you work as an independent contractor, you, there's a section for that. You can put your, you know, the amount of your check in there. If you have some expenses related to that that are a direct result of that, I've got a place for that too. So you can kind of see the net. So if you're, say, a model and you do a shoot and you get $2,000 and it costs you, you know, $100 for hair and makeup and, uh, you know, the Uber over to this location or whatever is a direct result, then you can put that in there and it'll give you kind of the net. Mm -hmm. So again, the discretionary. So when you figure out all of that interest and dividends, if you have some of that or any other source of income, so it'll show you what your total sources of income are. Then the section below that is, is all of your outgoing cash. So rent, mortgage payments, utilities, groceries, entertainment, fitness, prescriptions, any of that kind of thing. There's a place for that. And it, as I said, it's a very basic Excel spreadsheet and you can add columns and you can add rows to accommodate more because I didn't want to make it so long and it frustrated people. Mm -hmm. But, um, and then the formulas that are in the yellow boxes would need to be copied down if you do add or add columns or whatever. But I think it can help people see, okay, this is where I'm spending my money. This is how much I have. This is what I'm spending it on. This is either what I have left over or what I'm short every month. And if there's a shortage, that means your credit card debt is piling up. So something should change if, if it could. Maybe it's a new job or maybe it's you know, fewer trips to Starbucks or maybe I really don't need a pair of shoes every week or, or whatever it is. You know? mm -hmm. so they can be useful that way. Okay. It's also very, um, everybody's situation is different. And so that's yes. why it's easy to, well, with this spreadsheet to tailor it to whatever you need specifically. Right. And, and this one really is just mainly for, for personal use. If people have a business or they're kind of thinking about getting into business, then you would want to do kind of the same thing. But there are tools, you know, there's QuickBooks, there are other accounting packages that can help you do that in a better, in my opinion, in a better way than Excel. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last question. When it comes to doing your taxes, yeah. should you hire someone or should you do it yourself? You know, that's, that's a good question. Um, there are some very intelligent people that I know that just, when you say that three-letter word tax, man, they freak out and they don't want to touch it. And they just, they, if they get a letter from the IRS, they're on the phone immediately and they are freaking out. Even though it could be simple as, something as simple as, oh, we've noticed you've changed your address. Mm. But they see those letters and they just, they lose it. So they are not the kind of people that should be doing their own tax work, even if it's very simple. They mm -hmm. just, uh, it, they have panic attacks about it. And, and I get that. But if it's relatively simple and uh, straightforward, I, I do not recommend doing it on paper forms by hand. They're too, the Internal Revenue Code is, what, 76,000 pages. There's a lot of stuff. And if you don't have some idea where things go, you're very likely to miss something and it could cost you, you know, more tax, penalties, interest, so you don't want to do that. TurboTax, 
or some of these smaller tax programs for individuals like that would be a great way to go for somebody starting out that wants to try to learn. And I've had clients who have had kids that start filing their tax returns, and I've done a lot of those, but they want their kids to be a little more independent. So they say, go figure it out, go do TurboTax, and then we'll let Gary take a look at it. So I've done that too. Mm. And um, TurboTax can be you know, pretty good if you don't have a very complicated tax situation. What does that mean if for somebody? How do you know if you have a complicated tax situation or not? If you're an employee and you have a W-2 and maybe you've got a little investment account um, and that's really it, you're renting instead of owning a house, that's a pretty simple return. And, and I think those people can probably do those just fine on TurboTax. When you get into businesses or complicated transactions, if you have kind of an extensive investment portfolio, if you're uh, buying into publicly traded partnerships, or if you were a partner in a small partnership or an owner of a corporation or part owner of a corporation, that's where things start to get a little bit trickier. And um, if you have kids, it's a little more complicated because there are child care credits, there's um, child tax credits, there's a very a variety of things that actually come into play at that point. So, you know, simple employee kind of thing little bit of savings, they can do it on, on their own at TurboTax. When you get beyond that, you probably should start looking for advice. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.